0: Just before we go into today's show, today's episode is sponsored by Mystery Football Kit Co.
1: So the guys over at Mystery Football Kit Co have reached out to us and happily agreed to sponsor the podcast and support us as a small business ourselves. They are Leeds fans and what they are offering is a Mystery Football Kit box. And if you're not sure what a Mystery Football Kit box is, it's the opportunity to get your hands on a shirt you might not have got before. It's from any team from any time including this season as well all over the globe
0: all you have to do is select your size on their website as well as any kits or colors you don't want to feature in your mystery box so obviously you'll be selecting no red kits in that category straight away and your very own mystery shirt will arrive on your doorstep and you won't know what kit you've received until you open up
1: all of their shirts are hand-picked to each order and every item is of high quality and i must emphasize as well genuine brand new football shirt
0: from either this year or any previous year from any club around the world. And because of our partnership, as well as the fact that we like to look out for our listeners, if you enter the code LUFC Zone at checkout, you'll receive 10% off your order. So make sure you head over to Mystery Football Kit Co. on Instagram or www.mysteryfootballkitco.com to check them out. And make sure you add the discount code LUFC Zone at checkout. Hello and welcome to episode 2 of LUFC Fanzone's Agent Talk. I'm Sam Iles.
1: And I'm Jack Ellis.
0: And previously on our LUFC Fanzone podcast, we've been joined by a former player or manager to speak about their career at Leeds United. However, during this summer's transfer window, we'll be bringing you all the latest Leeds United transfer gossip, bringing you weekly exclusives straight from player agents and giving you their word on a potential transfer to Ellen Road. Our agent exclusives will be gathered directly by ourselves as opposed to gaining them from another source elsewhere. And we'll attempt to gain you a word from every player's agent that leads a link with this summer. But as I'm sure you'll understand, some agents prove harder to get in contact than others. As well as the exclusives, we're joined every week by former Opta analysis and Leeds United fan Martin Riley to gain an insight as to what sort of player leads are being linked with. And Martin will use data that he's gained from watching the player in question to give his opinion as to what sort of player leads are looking at. Martin, how are you, mate?
2: I'm doing fantastic. After last night, it would take quite a lot to bring down my
0: mood. (laughs) (laughs) So, obviously, last week was episode one of the show, and we basically gave you a summary of the players that Leeds have been linked with over the past month or so, basically since the Premier League season had finished, and gave you comments from the players' agents related to the possible transfer. But in this episode, and in future weeks, we'll be focusing on the weekly rumours. So, obviously, still getting the agents exclusive and their reaction to the speculation. But, understandably, there may be less players mentioned in the show compared to the previous episode. However, there was someone that we mentioned on last week's show that has been made official since the show was released, which, of course, is Junior Fopo's arrival from Barcelona, which is exactly what our source close to the player told us on Tuesday of last week, one week before the deal was confirmed by Leeds United. He was very specific in telling us that he didn't want to be named when we were releasing this show and his quotes. However, the person that we were getting them comments from and the ones that we've been releasing on social media, on our Twitter and our Instagram, over the past weeks wasn't his agent, but it was someone who is very close to the player. And he's even been with him in England and travelled over from Spain to Leeds with him, which shows the sort of people that we are getting in contact with to get you these quotes. Just reiterating what he told us, and he said that the move to Leeds would cost 15 million euros, which is something that has been released and confirmed by Barcelona. And of course, it would be a straight purchase option as opposed to a loan, which was going around the reports during the time of when he was giving that information. Of course, again, that proved to be spot on. And he also told us on the Tuesday before Junior signed for Leeds that the transfer would been confirmed within the week, which again was spot on because Leeds did confirm that transfer exactly a week after he gave us that information and that Leeds and Barcelona had been negotiating the deal for if not weeks months which shows that Leeds are doing well to keep the negotiations under wraps because the information didn't get leaked and didn't get told to us before the deal was basically confirmed and just needed the last signature on the dotted line from Firpo to actually be in Leeds to confirm it but now Junior has been confirmed Martin what more can you tell us about the player that Leeds have signed because obviously you touched on him last week but now it's official what more can you add to what you told us last week
2: well Sam Junior is an attacking fullback by nature he likes to run with the ball at his feet and he is very good at it he has elite physical at- attributes mainly for his pace but he is quite strong too going forward I notice he likes to run, put runs in behind the defensive end, and his timing is good so he isn't often caught offside which is something we quite often did see from Alioski. Um, his defensive positioning could do some work, but his attacking strengths outweigh any de- defensive deficiencies, in my opinion. The last thing I've noticed, which could be a real weapon for us, are his lower crosses. He's very dangerous when he gets to the byline and puts in a low hard cross. He seems to put them into good areas with the right amount of pace on the ball, and that's the kind of delivery which we don't really have anyone to, to, to do. Um, Jack, like, Jack Harrison likes uh cross them in a pretty standard winger in in the air. Sometimes he does get to the byline and put them in, but it's not something which we have players who can do it. Rafinha can do it on occasion, but he more likes to attack and pass rather than cross. So, yeah, it sounds like it's going to be a good signing for us.
0: Yeah, and in my opinion as well, I feel that like it's great that Leeds have found the left-back so early in the chance window, because for me, even if Gianni Alioski would have stayed at Leeds, which... We'll touch on it in a second. Leeds did need a left back and it was for me it was a priority that a left back needed to come at the club. But how important do you think that's been for you, Jack? Because Leeds did need, like I mentioned, a top quality left back. And to get that so early in the window is for me one of the best bits of business that we could have done so early in this transfer window.
1: Well yeah, it goes without saying that. The earlier you do a transfer, the more time. You have to settle into the club, the surroundings and the style of play, and I think that's more important with Bielsa than probably any other manager in the league. Um you know, Junior's from what I've seen of him, limited clips, he, he looks fantastic. He's attacking and I think that suits right into Bielsa's plans. Um obviously he's sad to see Alioski go. Um fantastic servant to the club. And I wish him well wherever he goes, but I think now, you know, I think I'd be right in saying that Furposer step up um in quality. And an experience for what he's experienced at Barcelona, having Champions League football under his belt is a great addition to any Leeds United side. So, um, yeah, looking forward to seeing him play.
0: Yeah, and of course it was one left-back in with Firpo and one sort of left-back out for Leeds. And I say that because, of course, Gianni started as a winger at Leeds, but Bielsa moulded him into a left-back over the past couple of seasons. And it's now been confirmed that Jani will be departing Leeds after failing to sign a new contract, which I always thought was going to be the case ever since the rumours began linking him with a move away of the free transfer in January. But it has now been confirmed. And I've been in contact with Ali agent about where he might be going to next, but he did refuse to comment on that. But in the Turkish media, they seem pretty convinced that he will be going to a Turkish Super League club next year. But even they're not sure at this stage what club, because they have been quite a few different ones linked. And even in the last couple of games, Roma have even have joined the list of clubs that are wanting Alioski. But how? what do you think about Alioski's departure from Leeds, Jack, both as a player and as well his off-field antics, which of course were one of the highlights to some of the media clips at Leeds, shall we say?
1: Yeah, I think Alyoski's uh, one of them people is a, is a big personality around the changing room. Uh, I don't feel like you have to be in the changing room to really know that. Um, yeah, I think, you know, like I said before, wherever he goes, I like, wish him the best of luck. Um, as long as he doesn't go Galatasaray, I know people's got split opinions about him going to Galatasaray, but I don't think that's really on the cards at this point. I think it's more, is it Trabzonspor, Spa Like you said, uh, I think Napoli are in the race as well. Roma and Milan more recently if uh, you Italian team so yeah wherever he goes he'll uh, he'll always have a place in Leeds fans heart no doubt you know being one of them players who took him who took us up back to the Premier League he'll, he'll be a legend for, forever and um, he'll never have to buy a pint in Leeds
0: <laughs> and as more of an analytical point of view Martin what do you think that Leeds will be missing now that Jani has left or, or should I say what did he offer to the side that they hope that Junior Firpo will be able to replicate at Leeds
2: well, from a stats point of view, Alioski didn't have many, what you'd say, standout stats. He was good at a lot of things, but he was average at others. But one thing he did stand out for, um, which probably won't surprise you, being in the BL Society's pressures and tackles, uh, when compared to other fullbacks in the top five leagues, he was in the 99th percentile. Um, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure if you know how percentiles work, but that basically means that there is only 1% or less players who are better in that area than what Johnny was, and that's with with 19.5 pressures, and tackles. He's in the 90th percentile. So not quite as good as his pressure but he's still very strong. And he had three tackles per 90 for that. Aliaski's work rate will be difficult to re- replace. But I found out that Junior was often in the top in the Barcelona's physical tests, which means he should be able to replicate. This, this output, when he's more familiar with Bielsa's systems and he's got a couple of murder ball sessions behind him, Verbo should be able to offer the same things going forward that Alioski did. But especially when it comes to ball carrying, he's definitely an upgrade over Alioski. He puts out more carries and progressive carries per 90 than Alioski did. And lastly, something Junior should offer is an extra aerial presence for set pieces. It's, it's not something you'd ever think of for a, a left-back. But he's six foot tall. So that's a pretty decent height for a left back. Johnny was only five foot nine. So it's not, a, it's quite a big, big difference. And he uses his height quite well too. He wins 56% of his aerial jewels. And some, at some point last season, we did have problems with set pieces. So that could be a little u- useful bonus. Although I'm sure that isn't something we should be assigned in for.
0: <laughs> yeah. And- Just moving on from Junior Firpo and back to the weekly transfer rumours, because this week, Leeds had again been strongly linked with the move for Hertha Berlin's attacking midfielder, Matthias Kuhner. And because of the links, we exclusively spoke to his agent, who told us that he had already spoke with Victor Orta about the possibility of a transfer to Leeds, and that he'd met Victor just last month, but he does believe that a move to Leeds is unlikely this summer. Kuhner's agent told us that I'm not sure if Leeds see Matthias as a priority. If he's not a priority, then I don't want him to go to the club. We want a club that believes in him and understands his potential. We'd rather wait a year for a club to arrive who see him as a key figure, especially after the Olympics. I do not know Leeds' financial situation, but the deal wouldn't be cheap. Between 35 and 30 million euros, I think very highly of Victor Orte and, of course, Bielsa. And we believe in Leeds' project. But in two years, Matthias will be a top, top player and he wants to be a key figure in a team. Now, although Kuna's agent told us that he doesn't believe a move to Ellen Road will happen this summer, he did tell us that he had spoke with Victor Orte, which shows that he must be some sort of interest to Leeds for that to happen. So because of that, Martin, what sort of player is Matthias Kuna and why is he
2: a player that interests Leeds? Well, Mateus takes a lot of boxes for a Bielsa attacker. He's very versatile, being more than capable of playing as a winger on both sides, attacking midfield or centre forward. Across his career, he's played more tech games as a centre forward, actually. But more recently, last season, he's played a lot as a left sided winger for Herford Berlin. I would actually say he's better used as a left sided winger, and the stats back this up. He averages 0.59 goal contributions per 90 as a left winger and not 0.47 per 90 as a centre forward it may not sound like a big difference but yeah it is quite a lot over the course of the season and also interestingly he he actually scores more goals per 90 as a left winger than what he does as a a striker he gets 0.36 goals per 90 when he's left winger and 0.28 as a striker so it says that he uses the wide spaces very well I'd say he's pretty much what you'd expect from a Brazilian attacker. He likes to run that defence a lot. In fact, he does so more than Rafinha does, and with a greater success rate, which is quite something. And also, the numbers themselves are good. Even when he, when Rafinha was in Stade Rene in the French leagues, he still wasn't putting out as many dribbles as what Matthias is. So that's definitely something to be logged. Uh, But and most people would agree that the Bundesliga is a better quality of league than the French League as well. Um, I could talk a lot more about him, but I'll just end on his defensive output, which is frankly incredible, which definitely isn't the norm for a Brazilian attacker. He puts out 23 pressures per 90 and 2.5 tackles and interceptions per 90. So this is definitely one of the reasons why he's been drawn to... Bielsa I think he must must have a high work rate himself and sees that he could do well for Leeds and so that's also what's drawn Victor Archer and Bielsa's interest
0: One thing that Kuna's agent also mentioned which I thought was quite interesting was the player's price which he said would be between 30 and 35 million euros which correct me if I'm wrong but that seems to be a similar figure to what Udinese wanted from Leeds for Rodrigo De Paul last season and they both play in a similar position and they both have a similar price. And it seems that Leeds won't be getting either of them despite being interested in both. So, do you think it's a price that is potentially putting Leeds off these sort of players, Jack? Because obviously, 35 million euros is a lot of money. And if Leeds were to pay that amount for Kuna, it'd break our transfer record.
1: Yeah. Um, I think it's evident across this season, well I say this season the Firpo transfer and last year that our transfer plan is to get good players at a good value and I feel like if we're not in a market or maybe not in a position, maybe financially we are but we just don't want to, uh, I don't feel like we want to go out and pay premiums on a player who we feel like we can get an alternative <laughs> replacement for at a cheaper price, which makes sense which makes sense um, but obviously you hear these names linked like Cunha who's a player I've known about for a while in the Bundesliga has done fantastically well um, over there. So you know, it, it, it's ultimately it's about results, in it? And if you get the same player for a fraction of the price, then you know that's just good scouting. I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't see any negatives in it, really. And like I said last episode, ultimately I think Orta and Bielsa know best when it comes to transfers. And if there's a reason why we're not willing to pay out thirty five million for him, then you know it must be a good enough reason.
0: Yeah, and do you think that based on what you've seen, Martin, in the current transfer market, that 35 million euros for Cunha is a fair price for him?
2: Most definitely. Um, we could say we paid half of that for Rafinha and why can't we do similar for Cunha? Um, but firstly, we have to say the financial situation in France is totally different to Germany. Uh, the French clubs... I've been hit very hard and lost big chunks of TV money due to substantial issues with the broadcasters and they've changed broadcasters twice in the last 18 months, which has impacted the clubs over there heavily. And Mateus signed for her for 18 months ago. Which is less time than Rafinha had been at Rene as well, so they will expect a sharp increase on the 16 million that they paid for him. And that's 16 million pounds, not euros. So that would would be a little bit higher than that, around about the 18 million mark. So, so if also you've got to point out that if we were to sell Rafinha, I'm sure we wouldn't accept less than 30 million, and most of us would probably say around 50 million for Rafinha. I mean, I realise Meridi now has Premier League experience, which is the top division in the world for most people, but you still got to say the Bundesliga isn't too far away. There were a lot of players in the in the Euros this year who have stood out of being from the Bundesliga. It just shows that the quality there isn't as bad as some people think it is. Some people have a bit of a closed mind view of different leagues other than England. About, it's definitely worth the money which they are, they're asking for him. He's still only young; he's only twenty-two. I think he's just, just just turned twenty-three. I'm not sure, but yeah, that's, it's definitely worth the, that they're asking for.
0: And even though if he might be worth that amount of money, Jack, do you, do you think that part of the reason for not spending that amount of money on an attacking midfielder is because Bielsa might feel that that position, the attacking midfielder position, isn't really a priority because. In this current lead squad, there is a number of players who can play in that number 10 role behind their striker.
1: Yeah, but at the same time, I can't see why they'd go after a player of that value in that position if they didn't feel it was necessary, if that makes sense. Um, like you I said, I, I, I agree with you there. I think there's a lot of players who could fill in that role and, and do it to a fantastic standard. Um, but I think... Don't, like, don't get wrong, if we signed Coon, I'd be absolutely over the moon. I think he's a fantastic player. Um, but whether it's what we need and the money could go elsewhere, I'd, I'd rather see money go elsewhere, to be fair. Like I said before, we've got players who can fill in that position and uh, do a job there, so I can't see why we'd need to go out and get an attacking midfielder. If you were to ask me what position I'd get, I'd probably go for a more central midfielder. Um, not for a replacement of anyone, but I just feel like we're just lacking a little bit of squad depth there
2: yeah so it's a great point um, we have a lot of strong options in the wide areas uh, we've got Jack Harrison on the left who has had a phenomenal first year and as we know from Harrison he pretty much always improves year upon year so I'm excited to see what he does next year um, so I don't think we'd want to risk a large amount of money in an area where we have a lot of strength I mean I know Matthias is a versatile player he cannot, cannot not just win he can play behind the strike around as a striker himself so it, it, it would be a good amount of money but it's whether we see the need to spend more in a different area of the pitch and I personally agree with Jack that we could do another option in central midfield more than we'd need further up the pitch because we had, did have issues like last season when some players were either banned or injured which didn't mean us playing players which Maybe we could do better. I mean, I, I like Tyler Roberts. Um, I do think he's a good quality player and he's got potential to improve. But I do think that we could should, should be looking at an, an improvement there. And last year, we didn't want to risk a large amount of money on Rodrigo de Paul. So as much as I'd love Cunha to join, I, I don't think he will for that fee. I don't think we're wanting to spend that much on one individual player and that we'd rather get a couple of signings for that amount of money like we did last year. Because last year we could have stumped out 30, 40 million on Ben White and instead we got a German international and a Spanish international for the same price. So it's definitely that we're looking more to sign quantity and quality at the same time. Like look for, Looking for the right options in the transfer window, which is what they keep saying all the time, is that they want the right player at the right price. They don't want to pay over, over the odds.
0: Staying with the first team... There's been a few other names linked and doing the rounds this week regarding a transfer to Leeds and one of the main ones was Huddersfield's Lewis O'Brien so as always we reached out to his agent who coincidentally is former Leeds United defender Kevin Sharp and he's also Calvin Phillips's agent but Kevin Sharp told us that there'd been no interest from Leeds United although there had been some approaches from some other Premier League teams but not Leeds and he was suggesting that that deal was just media speculation. And as well this week, there's been a couple of other wingers that have been linked to Leeds, such as PSV's Noni Madueke and Sampdoria's Mikkel Damsgaard, who coincidentally scored against England on Wednesday night from that free kick. And we did manage to reach out to both their representatives. However, neither of them wanted to give us any information on that potential transfer. So we'll have to see if either of them progress over the next few weeks. We also got back in contact with Noah's Lang's agent to see if he was able to give us any update on the move to Leeds. But he told us that within the week that we contacted contact him, there'd been no advancements and sticking with his initial words saying how it's too early to comment on the speculation at this stage and that he prefers to not say anything and would rather be patient about that potential transfer. Moving on from the first team, because Leeds have finally got their man for the under-23 side, Wigan youngster Sean McGurk has finally been confirmed as a Leeds player and it's reported that the deal will cost around £200,000. McGurk has been linked with a move to Leeds for well over a year, potentially even two seasons, and he's the second youngster this season who's joined the under-23s team following Amari Miller's move from Birmingham. But what can you tell us about McGurk, Martin? Because like I mentioned before, he's someone who's been on Leeds' radar for such a long time now.
2: Well, I've not been able to find a lot of footage on McGurk um, being that he's played most of his football for Wigan under 18s and under 23s however what I did find is quite promising he, he plays as a winger or, or as a number 10 and he does score quite a lot of goals for a midfielder last season he scored 15 goals in 25 games for Wigan's under 18s and he also got two goals in three games for the under 23s and in the last two seasons he scored a combined 35 goals in their under 18 side so it's not just one season where he scored a lot, he's scored in two, two consecutive seasons. He looks very comfortable, but using both his feet, which is always a positive for a, an attacking player. He likes to dribble past players, but he can be muscled off the ball by defenders who are stronger. This is something that he will move on. Young. And one thing a lot of our young players seem to do is work in the gym a lot. We've seen quite a few of them recently have built up over, over the summer, especially in and a lot of myself value strength and pace in his attacking players because usually with strength and pace you generally do get stamina as well and that stamina always helps helps out for an attacker I think he'll be a great addition to the under-23s and um, we've got already got a massive amount of talent in our under 23 side uh, they walked the league last, last season and I'm, I'm interested to see what he can do when he's got Joe Gellhart and... Greenwood alongside him, so it's going to be a dangerous team for the Premier League Division 2.
0: Yeah, like you mentioned, last year the under-23s team convincingly won the Premier League 2 second division. And last season as well, there was a lot of new arrivals in that side with Cody Drama, Sam Greenwood, I Somerville and McGurk's former Wigan teammate, Joe Gellhart, who you just mentioned. And it seems, again, that Leeds will be spending more money on further improving that side, which can only be a good thing, can't it, Jack? Especially for the future.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, like I so said, the team the, the team from last year got convincingly promoted, in your words, to uh, the Premier League 2 Division 1, which is obviously the top level of under-23 football in the country. It's, I mean, it, it wasn't like something in the last game of the season. I think we won it with about four games left or something daft like that, which goes to show how good that team was in that league. and. I think with the purchases we made last season as well, you know, you can only take that confidence into the players we bought brought this season. Because I, I cannot name a single player for the under-23s who has, let's say, you know, Everyone who I've seen who's come in and I've watched for the under-23s have just been phenomenal. It'd be interesting to see if any of the under-23s take that step up as well into the first team. Because there's a few you could probably think of who were there or thereabouts, obviously. Greenwood and did Gellhart feature in the FA Cup as well? I think Greenwood did, I know Greenwood did but I don't think Gellhart did. did he? I think
0: he got in the, the squads didn't he but I don't mm, think he yeah. actually played any minutes. Yeah so like I say be interested to see if any of them get the uh,
1: the opportunity to to go one up and hopefully make the Premier League debut because like you know the they're, they're, they're there they're, well they're thereabouts maybe not Premier League debut but definitely getting the Cup marks. obviously that <laughs> Crawley game is something we don't really want to talk about and um, more opportunities like that, I think, because few of them players are phenomenal. And I think, was it Greenwood and Gellhigh were joint top goal scorers for the league? Which, you know, sure. that, 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 that says it all, really, doesn't it? So, yeah, in yeah. the words of Adam Farshaw, sure, we wronged it.
0: <laughs> but on the flip side, the influx of new players into the 23s has meant that obviously some are going to have to depart the club. And we've already seen Oliver Casey leave a Blackpool in this transfer window and it's also expected that Robbie Gotts and Niall Huggins are also set to leave the club on permanent transfers which is a shame because they're all local lads and they've all grown up with each other in Leeds' academy but I guess that's just the harsh reality of professional football where Leeds are bringing in these players and the players that have been here from such a young age are being forced to leave the club.
1: Yeah, I think that's is probably the best way to put it. Um, like Robbie Gotts, I think he had... God knows how many appearances on the bench before he made his debut. Niall Huggins played fantastic against Arsenal. Arguably my man of the match. Uh, obviously a disappointing game to lose, but I think he came on, he was a fantastic. So, yeah, that's just football, isn't it, really? Uh, unfortunately, that's just the way the business is. It's it's If you can't make the cut in Bielsa's eyes, then you get moved on and it's just a carousel, really. Uh, it's probably a bit of a negative way to look at it, but... Ultimately, I think at this level, you can't afford to keep any players who you don't think will be able to make the cut. Especially with Bielsa, like in a small squad, I think is harder than ever to break into the first team.
0: Sticking with departures from Leeds, and earlier this week we managed to get an update on Kiko Casillas' future at Leeds. And on Wednesday, his agent exclusively told us that Kiko is set to leave Leeds on loan and return to Spain, and that he wouldn't be a part for Leeds' squad for the upcoming Premier League season. His agent told us that Kiko loves the club and I saw him really happy there in the past, but he needs to play regular football. Ilan is doing very well for Leeds, which makes this not possible. So now it's time to move on. His agent also told us that at this moment in time, Kiko is in England. However, he isn't training with with Leeds and on either Monday or Tuesday, He'll be flying out to Spain to complete his loan move to a La Liga club, a team which is yet to be decided because he did tell us that there are a number of clubs interested in signing Kiko. He has been at the club since January 2019 and he's made 56 appearances for Leeds United. But do you feel it is a perfect time now for him to move on Martin and return to his homeland, even if it is on loan, because he does still have two years left in his contract. So after this loan, he will still have another 12 months left on his Leeds
2: United deal? Uh, yeah, I do think it would probably be a, a good time for Kiko to move back home to Spain. Um, he's been a bit of a decisive figure amongst the Ellen Road fan base. There's some of our fans who are sticking by him in the same sort of manner that Bielsa has and saying that he's served his time for the racism charge and that he should... Be able to continue playing for us if Leeds and Bielsa are happy with doing that. But there's also a lot of fans who say that what he did was unforgivable. Um, so it's something which I think is the right time for it to happen now. He's had had some good moments for us. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that he hasn't. But he's also had a lot of bad moments. Not just the the charge for racism. He's cost us games. He's cost us points is, yeah, that's about all I can say on on Casilla, on to be honest. Uh, it's probably his time to move on and go back to
0: Spain, yeah. Yeah. Do you feel the same, Jack?
1: Yeah, yeah, I do. Um. I think, obviously, now Elon's playing so well, it kind of makes that move really easier for Kiko in a way that there's no question to whether he starts. Um. Not like there really was beforehand, but I feel like, obviously, now Elon's, arguably one of the best young goalkeepers in the world It's you can't see Kiko getting a, a, a chance again I think that's basically just dead out now so yeah I think that makes the movie easier for him um, like I said I don't really want to go into the incidental side of it but you've got to factor in both things he's won his points crucial saves but at the same time he's lost his points like mine obviously said so um, yeah I think it's one of them things where you just part ways and just leave it at that really Um I'm sure he'll move elsewhere and start to rebuild his career. Because I think he's still got a few years left, I believe he's early 30s, right? So he's still got a few years left for a goalkeeper. So Yeah, just part ways and then just leave it at that and we move forward. He does his own path and cross it off as something which didn't work out.
0: Yeah, and Kiko's in, explained to us that he'll be returning to Spain on a one-year loan, like we mentioned. And there's a number of clubs interested in signing him. But he hasn't told us so far which club he will end up at, but he did say that he will update us. So by the time this episode has been released in his live, we would have updated you, hopefully, where Kiko will spend next year on loan. But that brings an end to episode two of LUFC FanZone's Agent Talk. Thank you so much to Martin Riley for joining us. And we'll be back again next week with more Agent Exclusive based on the week's rumours as well as expert analysis from Martin. And of course, you can follow him over on Twitter at MartinCBMRiley for all of his Leeds United analytics. And just lastly, if you think there's a player that we've missed off this week's episode, or if you see Leeds linked with a player before next week's episode, send us a DM over on our LUFC fans on Instagram or Twitter, and we'll try and get a word from that player's agent for our next week's episode.
1: Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next week.